Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Friday edition of the program. We've made it to the end of the week, heading into a big weekend for IU basketball. Of course, the game with Illinois coming up. We'll preview that contest today. And how about last night? The IU women, another dominating win in the Big Ten Conference. And they are so close to clinching at least a share of the Big Ten Women's Championship for this season, which is very exciting stuff for them. They are so fun to watch and uh, just very talented. You know, I started thinking last night watching the second half of that game as Indiana really pulled away from, again, another ranked opponent, another top 15 opponent in Michigan. Uh, Could Indiana win the whole thing? Could the women win the whole thing this season? And I think the answer is yes, but then scrolling across the bottom of the screen, you know, they have the rankings and the headline news and scores and things of that nature. I remember that there's this team, South Carolina, that is really good this season and undefeated this season, and that could obviously be a big roadblock for anybody, uh, no matter how good the season has went for Indiana. So could Indiana, the women, do it? I think so. I think they're going to be a one seed. I think they're going to be Big Ten champions. Um, I think they're going to make a deep tournament run. I just don't know ultimately if they could beat a really good South Carolina team, but it would be fun uh, to see, and I wouldn't put anything past this team, but uh, that's kind of the level of thinking when it comes to this IU women's program is uh, are they national championship good, and I think they are definitely in the conversation. Uh, Also, Purdue loses another game. We'll talk about that. Their third straight loss on the road for the Boilermakers, Maryland, really turned it on in the second half. And I tell you what, it makes the Northwestern loss for Indiana fans even more disappointing, although I thought the Hoosiers rebounded nicely in the second half and got back to playing good basketball. Um, It makes you wonder if Indiana could continue to win and had not lost that Northwestern game. Could they too be in uh, the discussion in the reach of a Big Ten championship or at least a share of one? Uh, But obviously that game at Northwestern, at least for now, has knocked him out of that conversation. But a lot can change. A lot can happen over the next couple weeks, as we're seeing with Purdue. Uh, They are still a good basketball team, but they aren't the dominant team that maybe we thought they were even a month ago. And it's amazing how quick things change. Indiana a month and a half ago was was headed to the bottom of the Big Ten, it looked like. And, of course, now we know that's Indiana team right there in the running and having a great season. So lots to get to today. Thanks for being with us. A reminder tonight, we've got uh, high school basketball. I'll be at Jeffersonville. It's Evansville right 
uh, and the Red Devils this evening. Should be a good game. Evansville Wrights had a big win last night. We'll talk about that today as well. And uh, hearing good things about the Panthers. And this is a good late-season test for Sharon Wilkerson's Red Devils. And so looking forward to the call of tonight. Really looking forward to the rest of the high school regular season. Uh, we've got New Albany hosting Bloomington North next Friday in Jim Shannon's regular season finale at the Doghouse. Uh, that's going to be a very special night, hearing a lot of neat things about that evening. And so we'll be there for that as well. Then, of course, it, it gets to the postseason. And you know we're going to be at the 4A sectional at Seymour. And you know also that we'll keep a close eye on Providence and Brownstown and try to catch that game if it makes sense to do so. Uh, because that's going to be just a huge, huge game whenever, if they play. And I think it will be not if, but when uh, those teams hook up in the postseason. Let's look at the uh, show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got a lot of headlines to get to. The IU women, Purdue men last night, some high school notes and more here in this opening segment. Also a little bit on Xavier Johnson, so stay with us for that. And then later in the show, Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, he always checks in on Friday. We'll talk IU hoops. We'll get ready for the Indiana-Illinois game coming up over the weekend as well. And then Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star with us Fridays also in segment three. We'll talk high school basketball. We'll talk girls semi-states, and we'll talk some recruiting topics as well when Kyle joins us today. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Thornton's text line is open, always open here on the show. The number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Right now, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's, and you can get your questions, comments, whatever it may be, into us now at 502-414-1450. Let's get into the headlines for today. A lot to talk about. IU women, number two in the country, uh, defeated number 12 Michigan State 68-52 uh, in front of a nice crowd at Simon Scott Assembly Hall last night. Indiana's 13th consecutive victory. It's now their longest winning streak of the season, and they have nine wins over ranked teams. Seven of those nine wins over ranked teams are against top 15 ball clubs like Michigan last night. Indiana really was in control most of the game, uh, but not as dominant maybe as what they were Monday when they played at Ohio State, another ranked team, and Indiana just absolutely dominated them. Uh, but uh, I saw last night watching the game, uh, Grace Berger, uh, Indiana has not lost a game with her in the lineup this season. You might remember she had the, the leg knee issue coming out of one of the holiday time events out in Las Vegas and missed a number of games. But uh, since she's been back and before she left because of injury, uh, she Indiana's undefeated. And she's just really good, of course. I talk a lot about her connections to Louisville and New Albany and Southern Indiana. Uh, so neat to see her having such a great final campaign for the Lady Hoosiers. Also, Mackenzie Holmes, uh, boy, she is really good. One of the top forwards in the country. 
I don't think there's any question about that. She was 11 of 22, shooting last night, had 27 points, five rebounds, five blocks, two steals. Uh, shooting percentage, a really low, uh, unbelievable. Uh, and she's moved into second in the women's program all-time for career blocks. She's got 198 uh, career blocks. So I mentioned all that about Mackenzie Holmes because she's kind of the Trace Jackson Davis of IU women's basketball. She's consistent. She's an interior player for the most part. Uh, she has solid, efficient stat lines. She's moved into second, as I just mentioned, in career blocks for the Hoosiers and uh, just having a really, really good career. And she's obviously not done. Uh, she's coming back for another season of college basketball. So Indiana women, they're, they're, on, the, they're on the front page. Uh, they've got loyal fans. There are more people paying attention uh, to this program after each and every game. And I tell you what, uh, the win over Michigan puts IU basketball uh, within the reach of really some program history. They can clinch at least a share of their first Big Ten title in 40 years on Sunday if they can beat rival Purdue. How big would it be? And they should. They should be the heavy favorites, in fact, over Purdue. But how big of a deal would it be for this IU women's program to not only win at least a share of the title, but to do so at home with a win over Purdue? And I think it's a sellout. Am I right with that? A sellout for that game uh, on Saturday uh, at Assembly Hall. So it's going to be or on Sunday, excuse me, at Assembly Hall. Should be an awesome environment there. Uh, but the Barnburner Trophy, they call it, will be on the line. And it is the uh, first ever sellout crowd at Assembly Hall. Also Senior Day as well. So really a historic day set for Sunday. I've actually had people text and say, do you know anybody that's got tickets for sale? Do you know how to obtain any tickets to the women's game? Uh, that's how big of a deal this has become and how popular this women's team is becoming as well. So really cool to see. Also, could Xavier Johnson be close to returning to the IU basketball team uh, Wednesday evening? Mike Woodson right here on the Big X from the IU Network said Johnson is, quote, probably another week or two, end quote, talking about his return. So uh, Xavier Johnson coming up in a week to two weeks, his return probably slowly to the court for this Indiana team. Uh, but that's the first time that Coach Woodson has put any kind of uh, loose timetable even on the return of Xavier Johnson. It's hard to believe that he's been out since December 17th at Kansas, and we now know he suffered a broken foot uh, during that game. He had shortly uh, had surgery shortly after that game, and uh, Hoosiers have been down without him in the backcourt, but this team has found a way to rebound and to find their way even without him, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he helps, or I hate to say this, but does he hurt the rotation that Indiana has rolling right now? So you got to get him back in. You want him healthy. He can be a big plus, I think we all agree, for this team, but some tough coaching decisions as far as how you bring him back, when you bring him back, and what exactly his role early on looks like as you try to weave him into the lineup and continue some of the strong play that Indiana has seen recently. Uh, so definitely interesting moments coming up there with Xavier Johnson as it seems like his return is just around the corner. Last night, Purdue on the road in Maryland got a chance to watch some of this game Maryland dominated the second half against Purdue. Maryland a 24, excuse me, a 27 to 4 run 
uh, and able to get past uh, Purdue at their home court last night. Maryland now 14-1 and at home. The final score 68-54, and uh, definitely a really good game from Maryland. Just reminds you that this conference, even though they don't have a lot of ranked teams, there are a lot of teams receiving votes that I think easily could be ranked. See Northwestern. They've got to be ranked after some of the wins they've got here recently. Uh, but it just reminds you that this Big Ten Conference and the tournament are going to be a lot of fun. Indiana-Purdue, we know they're good. Northwestern, really good, I think. Uh, Maryland coming on. Rutgers is a nemesis. Uh, Michigan can be good at times. Michigan State with Coach Izzo, they're not going to be an easy out for somebody. And I'm leaving other teams out. Uh, but it's it's going to be a fun Big Ten Conference tournament, uh, really fun. I wish I could take a week and just go watch almost every game. It would be a lot of fun to do that. But should be a really good conference tournament. And Purdue is slipping, and that's what Northwestern needs, and that's what Indiana needs. Uh, it was thought of just a week and a half ago that probably no chance Purdue, even with some slip-ups, would ever threaten to share the title with anybody this season. But I think as Purdue's falling apart a bit, uh, collapsing a bit, could you now have to wonder, uh, will Northwestern, could Indiana, could somebody else break through and challenge the Boilermakers for at least to share that title. I still think Purdue has a chance to win it, win it outright, but they've got to get some things corrected uh, because they've just not been themselves here these last few games. Uh, also, Indiana-Illinois coming up on Saturday. It's a noon tip-off on ESPN. Illinois 17-8 and overall. They're 8-6 and in the Big Ten, but this is, a, uh, this is a good Illinois team, and they are going to challenge uh, Indiana. I can't imagine Indiana routing Illinois' like they did last month, 80-65. I was blown away at how well Indiana played and how much they dominated the game. Even though it's a home game, hard to envision that sort of game unfolding again. It's possible. Indiana's playing really good at times, but uh, I think a much more competitive game set for Saturday for sure. High school basketball, I mentioned tonight that we will have the Evansville Wrights Jeffersonville game here on the Big X. Our pregame coverage will begin around 7:15, so join us for that. Should be a competitive ball game at Johnson Arena. Also tonight, uh, you know, Borden they won the uh, basketball 1A championship back in 2013, and didn't know it at the time. But being with Doc Nash and that team, and we really didn't jump on the Borden bandwagon until they got into the regional and semi-state rounds. But to be able to broadcast some of the games along the way to the state championship, uh, a 55-50 win over Triton back in 2013 in Indianapolis, that was a fun run. It was a great group of guys. Doc Nash, a legendary coach here in the area. He's continued to do really good things at Borden. And uh, to look back and think it's already been 10 years since that journey to Indianapolis by the Braves is really cool. And tonight, when Borden hosts Clarksville, they are going to recognize and have a reunion, the 10, 10th anniversary of that state championship team. And I didn't know it at the time, but in Indianapolis that day with Coach Paul Love sitting on the sideline, I guess it was Conseco Fieldhouse, maybe. Maybe it was Banker's Life uh, back then. I don't remember the official name. It's changed a number of times here in recent years. But didn't know it at the time, but that was the start of a really good era of college or of high school basketball here in southern Indiana. Just some years after that, Romeo Langford in New Albany uh, would have some great battles with Kobe Barnes and Floyd Central. 
And, of course, New Albany would go on to win a 4A state championship. Uh, the Silver Creek girls with uh, unbelievable runs after that to uh, 3A state championship one year and the state championship game the next. And then, of course, Providence a season ago, uh, a really special season. It's just been a wonderful run locally for teams, and I know I've left some others out. Eastern Pekin won a girls' championship. That was big for Southern Indiana. Lanesville, maybe they could threaten for a girls' championship this year. Uh, and other teams have, have made journeys as well. But that that looking back, that 2013 championship game for Borden, and I've talked with Dugan Ryan, the, the uh, former owner of this station, uh, a number of times about this, but that was really – the start of a great time uh, to follow high school sports in the area, not just basketball, but uh, some baseball championships and other successful moments here for the area. So neat to see those guys get recognized tonight. That should be a really fun game, and you know how Borden does it. They will pack it in uh, in the postseason. And I know we talk a lot of 4A basketball, but I ran into somebody yesterday kind of reminded me just how good the 1A sectional over at West Washington should be. Uh, should be a lot of fun uh, coming up on, uh, on here in just a couple of weeks. Also, one other high school note, you know, we've got the pairing show from Indianapolis that will air from 5 to 7 p.m. on Sunday. That's where you'll get all the breakdown of who drew who and what paths forward in the state tournament look like. Following that, we'll have a two-hour local pairing special here on the Big X where we'll talk with a number of coaches and some others involved as we preview what the tournament draw looks like and kind of close out the regular season. So that will be a lot of fun. We'll have that for you Sunday night here on the Big X. That's from 7 to 9 p.m. after the close of the statewide pairing show that will take place from 5 to 7 p.m. We'll head to a commercial break, uh, come back with Dylan Wallace, we got a preview Indiana and Illinois. There's a lot to talk to uh, talk about right now with uh, Indiana basketball. And we'll touch on the women as well. Lots to get to here in the next segment. Kyle Deddenrip of the Indianapolis Star going to join us as well, so stay with us for that. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And back here on this Friday program, the Thornton's text line open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You know, it's opening day in college baseball. I uh, saw that Gavin Seabold is going to, a local uh, player, is going to uh, pitch today for Southern Indiana uh, in, in the opener for them. And, of course, uh, no UofL baseball has an opening game today over in Louisville, Tucker Biven. Don't know if he'll get to take the mound at any point of today's opener, but uh, will be in action with Louisville. And there's a lot of other baseball players and ties locally that we'll be following here in this uh, college baseball season. But as we get ready for March, I know the focus is strictly on basketball, but it is the opening day of college baseball today across the country. And that's a reminder that 
Spring is coming, and uh, it'll be here before you know it. Uh, 502-414-1450, the Thornton's text line. With us now, Dylan Wallace, the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He joins on Fridays as we talk IU basketball and a lot more. And Dylan, I tell you, we'll get to IU. we got to preview that IU-Illinois game. But I've had a lot of messages from people saying, I bet you've got some good content to talk a day with the Boilermakers on a slide. And Indiana fans definitely interested in that. Number one, it's the rival team. Number two, they're atop the conference right now. What's going on with this Purdue team? Uh, I think their their freshman guards have hit a little bit of a wall here. Um, that seems to be the most glaring issue when you look at uh, the end of that Northwestern game, and especially last night against Maryland. Uh, you know, you know, Indiana fans will certainly remember the Maryland game. Just kind of how scrappy and tough those guys were athletically on defense, and um, they really affected Purdue's guards last night. And um, that's kind of what hurt him. You know, Edie, I think he had 18 points. Um, so, you know, he, he was a little bit below the production that he's usually been putting up. So Maryland just did an awesome job, and they, they really kind of just took over that second half. And, um, you know, I, I thought going into last night, you know, I think I think the line ended up being like a pick em. So the, the odds were pretty even between them and Maryland. You know, Maryland's been unbelievable at home this year. I, I don't think they've lost the game uh, at the Xfinity Center. So, um, it's, it was, it was a, a good win for them, and, and I think Purdue right now, um, you know, I think they're going to be going back home soon, which is going to be the best thing for them. But I just think their freshman guards have, have been struggling in key moments down the stretch. They've been turning the ball over a lot. Um, they've been struggling with kind of the physicality of some other teams' guards. Obviously, they were going against Bowie and Ardige, um the game before that, and we know just from a couple nights ago how, how Indiana was able to handle them. So. Uh, yeah, it's just been tough sledding for them so far, and you know they've lost three of their last four, I think, um, with a win in Iowa in between uh, the last two and the Indiana loss. So, uh, you know, and I think that the biggest thing, if you're an Indiana fan, is you're kicking yourself about Tuesday night's game because you know if you would have won that one, you're only a game and a half behind Purdue uh, with another game against them and Mackey uh, a week from tomorrow. So. That's going to be tough for Indiana fans to swallow because the Big Ten race is uh, it's certainly a race now. You know, for a while there, it looked like. It was Purdue's to lose, um, which it still is, but it seemed like it would be hard to catch them. And now, you know, with five games to play, uh, they're only a game and a half up against Northwestern or two and a half against uh, Indiana, um, who you name it, Maryland, Illinois, those schools too. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit tighter down the stretch here. So um, that, that makes it a little bit more interesting, and especially you know we talked about it a little bit of a go, but the seeding for the Big Ten tournament, uh, it's all up for grabs. That's why Illinois uh, the Illinois game on set or tomorrow for Indiana is huge because. You know, you, you know, Illinois is in that range of you know same amount of losses as Indiana. So you gotta can't let them beat you and jump you in the standings. Then you, you'll fall down to you know four or five, which is not good. So I uh, gotta, gotta continue to take care of business if you're home for Indiana. And um, you know, if Purdue keeps slipping up, you never know what could happen, and maybe you could find yourself playing for something uh, down the stretch here. Talking with Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, Xavier Johnson. It appears very close to returning for. IU Hoops, uh, Mike Woodson said Wednesday evening on the radio, probably another week or two when asked about his return. That's a tricky situation. X can bring a lot to this team. He has, uh, I think, a great part of his time at Indiana, been a very beneficial player to the lineup. But this team is playing so well without him. That's a tough situation to put a guy, number one, that's been hurt, that's obviously not going to be in tip-top shape, back into the lineup even slowly. And you just don't want to tinker with too much when things are going generally 
really well for this team right now. So when he does return, whether that's next week or a couple weeks from now, whenever it may be, it's going to be interesting to see how Coach Woodson and the staff play this out. It will be, but I do think if you look at the produ- production that Tamar Bates, Trey Galloway, Miller Kopp have had on the road, um, you're more than welcoming a guy like Xavier Johnson back in the fold because you at least know um, when he's healthy, you know, he can be, you know, you think of that game at Xavier uh, in the early non-conference. He, he was incredible in that game on the road. He's a senior guard. He has experience. Um, and I just think he helps a lot more with Indiana in those kind of environments. Um, and I think, you know, the – I think the Maryland game, you know, you're always thinking to yourself going through these games, like, man, it'd be great to have a guy like Xavier Johnson on the floor. Even for him to guard Boo Booey, who is just so fast, you know, a guy for him to be able to put pressure on him. So I think if he's healthy, you know, I think it's absolutely, you know, fans are going to want to see him in there. But, uh, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how him and Jalen Huchifino kind of coexist together because I think Jalen's gotten so used to essentially doing what X did last year, and that's being the guy every possession down handling the ball, running pick and rolls, getting guys, uh, you know, feeding the post, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, are they going to be able to take turns? How are they going to be able to work together? That's going to be the most interesting thing. Um, and I think another big help is, you know, you'll be able to rest Jalen a little more. You, know, you play all 40 minutes against Northwestern, and with Xavier being back, you can always have at least one of those two guys on the floor at, at, uh, at, at, at throughout this course of the game, which is going to be helpful. But the biggest thing, as you said, is, like, how healthy will he be um, you don't want to rush him back. I know he's he's really uh, wants to come back, and, and and I think Woodson a couple weeks ago said, you know, if it was up to him, he'd play tomorrow. And but we can't let him kind of come back. You got to kind of protect him from himself. And you know, I think he tweeted out last week. It, it was eight eight weeks since the injury, um, and I think people have kind of talked about it being like an eight to twelve week injury. So he's right around that range where he could potentially get a little healthier to come back. But um, you know, a broken foot it's got to be tough for him, and 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 he's so relying on his quickness um, and now how fast he could be. And obviously if your, your foot's hurting you or it's sore or whatever, it's banged up still, um, that could kind of affect how you play. So a lot of interesting things. I'm sure when he comes back um, here toward the end of the season, it'll probably be on a minutes restriction um, just to kind of get him back on the floor. And then, you know, hopefully he'll be able to wrap it back up um, come the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. But um, I, I just think with, with how little you've been getting out of some of the backcourt players, especially on the road, um, you welcome him back as much as you can. But I think it will be interesting to see just especially how him and Jalen will play together. Um, because, you know, before he went out, um, I, I, they, just haven't, they just didn't play a whole lot against real competition. You know, Jalen missed the, he missed the uh, you know, Rutgers game on the road. And then, you know, he obviously came back from Kansas, and that's when X went out. So they haven't really played a whole lot of meaningful games together in the backcourt. That's the biggest thing I'm looking for, but... Uh, man, you know when you when you go down some of these stretches of these games, Indiana is losing. Uh, you, you know to be able to add a, like an All Big Ten caliber guard like David Johnson back at the floor could be huge. The biggest thing is just going to be how healthy he looks and can he get back to where he was toward the end of last season. It might take some time, um, and I think you know David Johnson has kind of been a lightning rod for some fans, especially toward his play uh, at certain times. But you got to got to kind of take it good with the bad. I'm sure he's going to come back wanting to do too much, too fast, because that's just how he is. That's how he's wired. But I think it, as he, the more he plays and the more you can kind of get him on the court, it, it's only going to benefit the team because he's he's a really important player, and uh, you know hopefully we see him back soon. Dylan Wallace from Seymour Tribune, my guest. Dylan, uh, let's talk IU Illinois on Saturday at noon. We'll have the game here on the Big X with the broadcast from Don Fisher and the IU radio crew. You know, thinking back to Indiana's win, it was a big surprise. 
how Indiana defeated Illinois uh, the first time they played this season, 80-65, and it really it wasn't even that close to a lot of the game. Two things stand out. Number one, I thought Indiana's defense was excellent in that contest, and that was one of those games earlier in this run, this positive streak here for Indiana where they started turning a corner, I thought. But also, uh, it was Coach Underwood, who I have a lot of respect for at Illinois, his decision to guard Trace Jackson to not double, to not triple, to not have any kind of scheme really against him. It was a straight-up man-to-man defensive deal for much of the game, if not all the game, and that really surprised me. So those two things, good defense and Illinois' decision to guard Trace that way, I thought were interesting, and we'll see how it goes in matchup number two. And if Coach Underwood keeps the same thinking, I can't imagine that he will. I can't imagine either, especially, you know, Indiana's in a weird position this year that, that, you know, they haven't been used to being is that, you know, every game that opponents are playing against them, you know, it's, it's a huge victory if the opponent can beat Indiana because of their, their 14th ranked in the country. It'd be a quad one win. They're on the road. I mean, Indiana hasn't really been a scout for their team uh, in the past, these past couple seasons, and now they are. Teams are coming in wanting to beat them because it looks good on their resume, and that's going to be what Illinois is looking to do. Um, get even with them uh, tomorrow, and you know I, doubt, I highly doubt that Underwood's going to let Trace do what he did to him uh, in Champaign. And I think another thing is that you know in that second half, Illinois got a little bit of momentum when they started doing that kind of full court press um, on Indiana's backcourt, and it kind of gave Indiana some fits, gave him some issues. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try to go to that a little bit earlier, try to you know you know make it harder for Indiana to get the ball up the court, and make them take longer to get into their offense, and all that kind of stuff. And especially once you watch how you know, if they're looking at how Northwestern defended Trace, um, just bringing that quick, quick double and then trying to make him pass with his right hand instead of his left, you know, there's a bunch of things that Illinois are probably going to have a new wrinkles added in that they're going to try to do tomorrow. Um, but, you know, this is again, Indiana really needs to win uh, themselves. Uh, you know, like I said, if you want to stay um, in the Big Ten race, if you want to, you know, get a potentially double buy in the Big Ten tournament, you know, this game is huge in terms of the standings and obviously just, you know, to get a, get a nice home win before you go play. Uh, two really tough road games next week. So it's a big game for both teams, and I think Indiana will have a pretty good crowd behind them. Um, and, you know, I think they're even even if Illinois makes the adjustments that, you know, we all thought they would have in Champaign, Indiana should still have enough to win. They've, they've been really good at home this season. They've only lost once. It was that Northwestern game that was a little weird in their three-game losing skid. So um, I like the chances, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to look a lot different than it was when Indiana played at Champaign. Like you said, that game was a little surprising. Because Illinois had been playing well up to that point. They'd, I think they were on a three-game winning streak going into that game. And you know, they just kind of jumped on them and, and never let up, which was kind of nice to see and kind of a rare thing on the road from that team. Um, so, you know, I, But I think Illinois will probably be a little bit more competitive tomorrow. So we'll see how he is able to, to kind of handle this going forward. And I don't think, I don't think Ray, yeah, Ray Thompson wasn't available in that game either. So having him back, he had a nice game against Northwestern. So how does that change things up for Indiana? Can, can he – be another added bonus, be another positive like he was on, on Wednesday night. Um, that could be another thing for Nino that could look good. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough game for sure. And, you know, I think, I think Illinois is going to definitely play a little differently. And, you know, they, they, they just had a tough loss at Penn State. Penn State kind of went crazy on them, hit a bunch of three-pointers. I think they hit like 10 in the first half. So, um, you know, they're, they're obviously looking to get back and get, get, a, get a good win here. Um, so it's going to be a tough one. But I think Indiana – should have enough uh, behind the home crowd to get a win and, and uh, hopefully get some momentum going to East Lansing and, and West Lafayette next week. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. Real quick as we go, 
I don't, you know, watching on TV, it's hard to hear. I saw some of the tweets and things. I don't specifically know exactly what was said to Miller Cop on um, earlier this week at Northwestern. Have an idea what it was. It's something we we can't repeat here on the radio for sure. But I tell you what, Coach Collins at Northwestern, the AD at Northwestern, and then I saw a statement put out uh, on Northwestern social media. I think it was from the school president, uh, unhappy with the students and telling them that they crossed the line in that Indiana game. I commend that uh, to see leadership step up and uh, hopefully let the students know that have created a really cool environment, it sounds like, there at Welsh Ryan for Northwestern during this special season. So, hey, you were out of line. Yeah, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I saw I saw good people that were happy about it and also kind of upset about it that they did it, you know, the day after the fact and said, you know, you could have gone on the PA system and, and said something to them in the moment. And, you know, what I think is interesting is that, you know, I've been to a lot of Indiana games where, especially against like a Purdue, you know, I remember when Grayson Allen was on Duke, um, the students are chanting the F-bomb toward the player with their name in it, you know, um, and that's, it's been pretty derogatory. And I've seen things at Assembly Hall where, you know, stuff will get flashed on the screen saying, you know, if you continue to use profanity, it could result in a potential technical foul um, on Indiana. And, um, you know, it didn't seem like that was the case at all at Northwestern. And, you know, they did it. I mean, I heard it them chanting that at least seven different times in the game, in both halves, uh, because, you know, every time he came into the game, they were doing it. Um, and they were just doing it a lot. And I and I, it was never seemed like it was going to be an issue in terms of, like, Northwestern potentially getting teed up for it. But I've seen it in Indiana. And you know, I remember a couple of years ago when Matt Harms was on Purdue, it happened then for the Hoosiers, and, and Fred Glass was the edge of time. You know, he put out a statement the next day saying stuff like that. So um, I, I've seen it uh, at Indiana a lot um, over the years. And I, apparently it happened. Uh, I wasn't at the game against Purdue, but apparently it happened towards Zach Eady. So, it seems like it's gone on a decent amount, um, and, and, you know, I guess it's good to know that Indiana's students aren't the only ones that do that. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think it was – obviously it's, it's a positive thing. You want to try to get the students to not, you know, curse that way toward toward other people. You know, get creative. Like last night I heard the Maryland students were chanting, Edie's ugly. They were chanting it out of him. You know, they weren't chanting, you know, F-U, Edie. They were just saying, Edie's ugly, which, you know, kind of lame. But, you know, it was better than, you know, swearing at the guy. So, um, you know, I think whatever – programs or ADs or coaches have to do to maybe get their students to, to not be kind of so vulgar toward players um, it, it's a positive thing and you know whether it's a day after and, and whatever people think it doesn't matter um, hopefully going forward you know whoever Northwestern welcomes into town um, going forward you know they, they don't use that chance so um, you know it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but yeah I mean obviously it wasn't positive Miller put out a tweet today saying you know he's all good his family and team love him so he's, he's not phased by it so um, you know, hopefully he's able to just regroup and kind of get it behind them. But, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate, but, it, you know, it's, it's stuff that I've seen here in Bloomington as well. And you always kind of cringe at it, you know, when you're in, when you're in the stands and students start doing that. You know, they, they try to start playing the music in the background loud. The band starts playing. You try to drown it out because, you know, it just doesn't look good. Uh, it doesn't sound good either. So uh, hopefully hopefully we, we don't continue to see that as much in the Big Ten. But um, I just think, you know, with college kids, it's, it's kind of hard to control them. And, you know, they, they all kind of want to say that, that word as much as they can. So, um, but we'll see. Hopefully the statement they put out and everything has a positive effect on them. I think they got two home games left. So hopefully you don't see it anymore. But, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting thing that, that happened this week in that game too as well. No question. All right, Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. we got to get to a commercial break. Dylan, thanks. Have a great weekend. Sounds good. Thank you. A quick break is next. We'll return with Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. 
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. and for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back, final segment of our Friday program. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star going to join here in just a second. The Thornton's text line, Texter says, they, meaning Northwestern, should have made an announcement during the game like uh, Bobby Knight did. And I, I agree, that's the best way to stop it. And uh, am I right? Didn't Mike Woodson get on the mic at some point, or am I dreaming that? Uh, but definitely, when the coach does it, it, it makes it better. And I, I think it gives more respect from the fans, especially the students, if your head coach is on there asking for you to straighten up in the middle of the game so the team doesn't get penalized. But thank you for the text. Uh, Kyle Nedrip with us now. Kyle, getting ready for a big weekend of high school basketball. Uh, this is the point of the year where I'm really excited about the postseason, and there's still some great games between now and the end of the season. But you also know that we're approaching the end and that this basketball season isn't going to go on forever. So uh, it's with excitement but also a little sorrow we get to the end of the regular season. Yeah, and i got to say, I heard you uh, just talking about that briefly, Matt. The best I ever heard was Billy Tubbs when he got on the mic and said, he said, uh, do not throw anything on the floor. They were playing Missouri and uh, – he said, do not throw anything on the floor, no matter how bad the officiating is. And then he set the mic down <laughs> when, he was, when he was with Oklahoma. So, I, yeah, the coaches, the coaches can get on the mic. I mean, Billy Tubbs showed that you can, you can do that. So <laughs> I, they, that pops up on Twitter every now and then. I'm like, oh, man, that, that was uh, hilarious. And not surprising Billy Tubbs said that. But, uh, That's classic. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. I think this is a time of year where you know the Friday nights are dwindling, and you know it's good and bad. I guess you get get some Friday nights back, but it also means the the end of the high school basketball season, at least the regular season. You know, this Friday and next Friday, and then you know then we'll be into uh, yeah, mostly Saturdays uh, for the most part, um, other than the sectional semifinal night. So. Uh, but, yeah, there's some really good games tonight. I'm actually going to go, uh, I think, uh, most likely go up to Anderson and see the Kokomo-Anderson game. And uh, old school, North Central Conference, both teams undefeated. The game's already sold out. Hopefully I can get in and uh, see a good game tonight. But uh, but there's quite a few good ones around here uh, as well. Mount Vernon and New Power playing for a uh, – a conference championship or a potential tie in the conference championship, actually. Greenfield Central's got a chance to share that as well if Mount Vernon wins and, you know, some other good ones as well. But, uh, but yeah, I think everybody's – Sunday's the sectional draw, so I think everybody's kind of looking forward to uh, seeing where they land. I know a lot of coaches I've talked to are really uh, curious this year because there's a lot of good teams, and it's a year where, you know, it's, it's maybe not just one or two, but several teams that can win a given sectional. Yeah, I look across our area here in southern Indiana, Kyle, and I see a number of sectionals that I think the draw could really play a role in. You know, occasionally, and I guess some years, you've got a team that no matter how it shakes out, hey, they're the best team in that sectional. They've defeated everybody in it in the regular season, and they're the clear front runner. We've got some of that here, but there are a number of sectionals locally where, gosh, it's hard to factor for sure who you think the odds-on favorite is going into it. I think that just makes the sectional week 
atmosphere and environment more thrilling for everybody, whether your team has the best record or just a mediocre record going into the sectional? Yeah, no doubt. It's, uh, you know, I think there's some, and I've talked to coaches in the past who they're kind of hoping to play an early week game just to kind of get the kinks, the jitters out. But those are usually situations where you know you're probably going to win. You know, there's maybe one or two teams you don't want to see on this, on the line, but, uh, you know, you'd almost rather play. I've talked to coaches probably more than I would expect to feel that way. Uh, where they would just rather play early and then get into that Friday night and feel like you've got one under your belt. So, um, but I but this year, you know, there's one in particular. The one up at Muncie Central is just so. Uh, you know, I mentioned New and Mount Vernon, but you know, and that maybe not the you know the the one everybody's talking about. But man, you look at that sectional of Anderson, Greenfield Central, New Mount Vernon, you know, Richmond, and and Muncie Central is a lot better. And Pendleton Heights is not a good record, but. You know, they're a team that has played a lot of teams close, and I don't think anybody wants to see. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a seven-teamer, so I'm not sure anyone on that. Uh, you know, I think everybody just wants to have a bye, you know, and play play Friday. But uh, but somebody's going to have to play early. So, you know, that's an example. There's always sectional 10s always sort of that way. This this year it's at Warren Central uh, with Cathedral and North Central, Lawrence North, Warren and LC and that group. Uh, and then, of course, Ben Davis, who's sitting there, uh, number one all year, and uh, 24-0, and 0, and, um, you know, the, the team that I think everybody kind of feels like they are the favorite to uh, win the whole thing, not not only that section of Perry Meridian, but, but they also have Southport in there who's given them fits at times, uh, including this year, took them to overtime. So, you know, a lot of, and that's just an example, but I would say a lot of, you know, some of your toughest games for teams that are going to end up winning state, are going to be that week in the section because there's so many teams that know each other uh, so well. That's kind of, I mean, it goes back 100 years, but it's kind of the fun of the sectionals. You're playing these neighboring teams that that uh, have scouted you and maybe have played you twice already this season. Uh, so, you know, it's there's just a lot of familiarity, a lot of rivalries, and uh, I'm sure a lot of games that will be a lot of fun uh, to look back on uh, during that week. But, you know, it can't beat sectional week. It, it's, it's the best week of the year. Uh, for high school basketball, and uh, you know we'll we'll find out the path to get there on Sunday at five o'clock or five to I think it's five o'clock. God, Madden the Indianapolis Star. Yeah, five to seven. The pairings. We'll have that here on the Big X, and then our local pairing show seven to nine, where we'll talk with a number of the local coaches and review everything from a local perspective here in Clark and Floyd counties. Kyle, as we go, girls semi-states this weekend, the new format, semi-state now two games, which is interesting. It's going to take a little time to get used to. I think uh, curious to see how it goes on the boys' side this year, what the feedback is from fans, schools, and others. But from a local perspective to our west, Corden and Lanesville, kind of a neat story, both from small Harrison County uh, in semi-states, and I think both have a chance to come out. Lanesville would probably be the favorite to come out of the semi-state at New Albany, where Corden, they could maybe be the favorite in that first game, but they will have some work cut out if they're going to find a way to Indianapolis in that night game. Uh, take us across the state, some of the best semi-states, and do any of the southern Indiana schools I mentioned have a, have a chance here, or maybe Lanesville the favorite to get to Gainbridge Fieldhouse for the state championships next Saturday? Yeah, I was talking to somebody last night who thought Lanesville and Tri were probably the favorites in uh, in one A. So, and I know they're on different they're in different uh, um, 
you know, different sides of the bracket, so you know they wouldn't see each other until the finals. That'd be kind of a fun matchup, though. Two schools that are pretty small, and and uh, you know, with a lot of history, but uh, you know, just just uh, I think it'd be kind of a fun matchup anyway. But but yeah, I would say you know, so I'll, I I'm possibly going to be at Southport. Sounds like probably tomorrow night. So uh, you know, that's that's where uh, Lawrence North and Ben Davis are playing, and then you know the. Uh, uh, first game is uh, Bedford North Lawrence and Center Grove, uh, so that's kind of the big, the big four A. You know, I'd say B and L just probably has a good chance to win that game against Center Grove and, and play uh, in the championship game against uh, the Lawrence North or Ben Davis. It's probably a toss up, I would say. So, you know, that could be a really good game. And then, you know, I think the big storyline is not your area, but South Bend Washington. They're twenty seven and zero team, and they're probably going to play Fishers, which. Uh, has been one of our better teams around here in Class 4A. So, so yeah, I think yeah, I, I think Lanesville would be a really cool story uh, from your area and and uh, uh, Cordon Central. I think in 3A again, I think you're probably right. I think they'll probably be playing uh, in the uh, in the in the championship tomorrow night. But yeah, I'm having a hard time too, Matt. I can't kind of. Uh, it's not anything bad. It's just you get used to a certain way for so long, and you have to wrap your head around what tomorrow is going to be like. Because I mean, it's basically like the regional was, but you know, I, I still can't get in my head when I think about the regional uh, for the boys' side. You know, it's it just uh, you're so used to having it one way, you can't you can't, uh, you can't uh, wrap your brain around the other way. <laughs> so I kind of like this change, to be honest with you, but because I think it makes it more of an event tomorrow at, at different sites, and it kind of builds a little momentum, but. But it's going to take me a couple of years, I think, to uh, figure out what this is exactly going to be like. Yeah, no question. Kyle Nedrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, have a great weekend. Hopefully it's filled with a lot of basketball. We'll talk with you next Friday. All right, Matt. Sounds good. Thank you. Don't forget, we've got coming up uh, tonight at 7.15, Evansville Wrights and Jeffersonville here on the Big X. It should be a good one. Join us for that. Enjoy IU Saturday. We'll be back Monday at 11 a.m. to recap everything here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.